the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God is at his best when you are at your worst. We'll talk about that today as we continue our look at 2 Corinthians. Here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. And again, welcome. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Today we continue our look at 2 Corinthians, chapters 11 and 12. It's a message called Human Inadequacy, the Conduit for God's Power. As we begin our time together today, we do so with a look at Paul recounting his own inadequacies to show off God's beauty and power. Here's Pastor Phil with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Here's a man that says, look at, not, he tells about his thorn, and then he goes down here, and we'll look at this our next time. But he goes down to verse 9, and he's hearing this man share his weakness with the church. And he heard the Lord say, my grace is sufficient, let me add, for your inadequacy for your thorn, for whatever. For my power is made perfect in perfect people. Where is it made perfect? Well, I wonder who that could be. Paul said, let's start with me. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. You're out of your mind, Paul. You don't tell people you're weak. They'll take advantage of you. I am telling you, I've always known I wasn't adequate for the job. But I'm operating off a of borrowed power. So that the power of Christ, notice, my weaknesses, the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. If you were to read Second Chronicles 26 and the story of uh, Uzziah, It says God was with him and he became powerful. But it says in 26.16, he grew and became powerful until he became proud. And then he entered into the priestly office and thought he could act like the priest. And he walked out a leper and they finally had to put the king of Israel in a separate house. And he died as a leper. And he'd been the king for 52 years. He waxed great in power until he became proud of how powerful and how much success he had. I must say, 
I fear and I warn I'm a thorn in the sign of every young preacher coming up in this church. Because you got to be humble when you're no good. And we have to tolerate half of your sermons. I know. I was out there preaching when I had no business. I'll tell you what happened. The battle with pride started when I started getting better. And I started getting more bookings. And larger churches were calling me. And boom, boom. Pretty soon I said, man, I'm, I'm getting well known. Guess what? Then I was the most vulnerable to satanic attack. And that's when I need to fail a little bit. Every man needs to fail just enough to depend. Because I've seen them get up in the stratosphere. And everybody, this is great, this is great. No, 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 I, I always become fearful. What will they do with success? In the early days of this church, God blessed me by giving me Phil and Luella Ross. And when they came to this church, uh, Westbury in Berkeley was having his struggles and was kind of going down. We were taking off like a wild blaze. It just young people being saved. The church was just growing, just growing. And they would, she always, she was a great cook, always had me over for apple pie. It was a wonderful woman. And she would always say, both she and Phil to the day they died, they said, Pastor, we're praying that the Lord will keep you humble. And sometimes I would get at their house and going through something. I said, could you cut it out? Would you pray he might protect me <laughs> from the critics and this? I said, I, I don't have a chance to get proud. I got too many critics right now. They said, no, no, no. We've seen many a young preacher arise and diminish because pride got in there. They said it all. Their, their whole ministry was, every, we're praying for you. I, would, I never had to ask what about. We're praying your head will shrink. I said, good night. Give me a break. John MacArthur. I knew a man that was on the opposite side of a debate over lordship salvation with him. They were at a mutual conference together. John took the lordship view. Bob Graves took non-lordship. I said, Bob, how did the convention go? Blah, blah, blah. He said, you know, I disagree with John on that view. Okay. I know I'm kind of this view. Boom. And then he said something. He said, but I was the chairman of that convention. He said, Phil, I've never been around a more humble man than I was John MacArthur. I couldn't get over his humility. I said, you've got to be kidding. The boxer, the, the scrapper in the pulpit and the defender. He said, Personally, the humility was overwhelming. I said, thank God. That's why he's lasted. That's why he's nearly 78. And still, God's using him year after year. Year after year. I borrow four points that I want to share with you. I'll steal them from Alistair's lecture because uh, I can't cover it all. Four things about this matter of admitting our inadequacy and our battle with pride and humility. Chesterton, a great Catholic theologian, said this, we are putting humility in the wrong place. We've got it in the wrong place. We'll say we're humble about the truth and proud about ourselves. 
We'll, we'll get a guy that says, well, I'm not sure what this says. I'm not sure of my message, but I have credentials. I got a doctorate, and I got a this. other words, you're plenty confident about you, but you're not confident about your message. This may not be the truth. He said, we're mixed up. We put humility in front of truth. Truth does not need humility. Truth is true no matter. We ought to be humble about ourselves that God would entrust such a message to bimbos like us. Don't ever doubt the truth. Doubt yourself, but don't doubt the truth. Doubt yourself, but don't doubt the truth. I have all kinds of doubts about me. Good, you should. Knowing you like you know you, you should have doubts. But don't be... We finally found something that's certain. It has no moods. It has no end day. It's true every day of the year. It's been true for thousands of years. It'll be true when you are buried and gone. This is the truth. This is the truth. It will hold you. Let's, uh, four things about this matter of our inadequacy and the humility that should come with it. A biblical look at it. Is it biblical? Two, the cultural setting we're in. Three, the contemporary church and this idea of inadequacy. Lastly, our personal attitudes. Biblical. Uh, it's all over the Bible. Saw when you were small in your own eyes, I used you. Uzziah, you, I, I blessed you when you were humble about it. Pride came in with blessing, and you ended a dismal failure. Inadequacy has always been the uh, clothing of those servants God uses, and that lasts because their inadequacy keeps driving them to the source of power, keeps taking them. I can't. John 7, 15, 7. Without me, you can't. Oh, you can do nothing. But with me, I can do all things. So you've got to get them both right. I can't, Lord. And you know, you get this humility. I can't, I can't. And that, in a way, we get sick of it because we, we, we all struggle with the same inadequacy. I'm waiting for you to say, but I can in Jesus. I can do whatever God wants me to do because God says, you supply the weakness, I'll supply the power. And we'll form a team. Is that fair? You supply the weakness, I'll supply the power. And that's the book of Acts. So quit over it. All right, all right. You've said it long enough. Jeremiah said, I can't prophesy. I'm but a boy. He said, I'll be with your mouth. And your, my word will burn like fire in your mouth, Jeremiah. You'll prophesy to everybody I tell you to. Jeremiah 1.5. Isaiah said, I'm an unworthy man. My lips are dirty. I'm not able. But then God said, I'll put my coal on your lips. I'll remove your filth. Now what can you do? Hear my Lord, send me. Hear my. It's not all this, all the adequate. Let's help out God. Let's help out God. Help out God. God's going to help you out. God's holding the universe in his hand. He doesn't need you, but once he calls you and saves you, believe me, he wants you on his team. He wants to model his power through your weakness. He gets glory. 
It shows off his strength. You ought to be encouraged. You ought to sign up today. And get rid of your excuses for why you're not available. I'm not able. Because you're not trusting the one that is able. I'm not able. Good. God knows that. I know that. You know that. Now what are you going to do about it? I shall give you power to quit being cowards. I'm going to make you witnesses to the end of the age. You know, you've got some folks over here groveling. These are my different background, culture. I ran and grew up with people. There was no demon too big, no problem too hard, and they had one-tenth of the knowledge that some of you boast, but were as bold as a lion. Bring it on. In Jesus' name, I'm going to take it on. Then others over here, well, I'm praying about it. Praying about it. When are you going to teach that fourth grade class? Well, I'm inadequate. Oh, we all are. Quit telling me that. That's where we start. What will you do about it? Will you wait on God for his enabling power, for his guidance? You've got his word. You've got his spirit. You've got his command. I didn't save you to do nothing. So dependence is the life of all servants of God. I love what Moody said. Cracked vessels must remain under the fountain to remain full. So we're all cracked. And we all got to remain under the fountain. Two, the cultural setting. I love this and I credit Alistair's comments here. He says, what is the thing going on in a culture but the self-esteem movement? Self-esteem. And he gives a report and I may not get all of this just right, but there was a man in uh, Britain who wanted to write on self-esteem and appraise it. And he went back, I believe it was 1980, and he looked in 350 British papers. And he was on the search for the word self-esteem. No use of it. No use. And it went, went along uh, by 1990. Three times in the pain. By the year 2000, it was used over 3,000 times. That we're in a self-esteem movement that says, you're somebody. You can do whatever you want to do. Graduation ceremony. Go out there, class of 2000. Conquer the world. Fulfill your dreams. You can do anything. No, you can't. You won't call this a motivation seminar, will you? You can't. I got one of my grandsons been telling me for years he's playing the NBA. And I, how do I, I said, not on your life. You won't even be a water boy. Talk all the smack you want. You ain't going to make it, Anthony. I mean, come on. I mean, you can't handle JP, let alone, you know, LeBron. You can't. You can't. No, you can't. Self-esteem. And you can stand in front of a mirror all day and you can't cough up enough self-esteem. You need a significant other to give you your esteem. And that significant other should be mother, father, should be in the family, but families are broken. And so when that's broken... I'm often reminded of what Suzette Saragosa said to me when she came to Christ. She said, I finally found the father I've always been searching for. 
God is the significant other that will make you have esteem. And it will be found in Christ. I'm in Christ. Alistair tells about going to a football game in England. And here he grew up as a cricket player. He said the only reason he went to it is his girlfriend, who became his wife, invited him. And it was a British team, I don't know what it was, playing against the United States Army team. He said, I'll never forget the game. He said, they were sitting right by where the cheerleaders were, and they had some little chant they kept saying, you can if you can, you can if you can. He said, at the half, Army was 40, Britain was zero. And he said, I wonder, yell to the cheerleader, no, you can't, no, you can't. If you can, if you will. Well, he said the chanting, the cheerleading didn't make them win. But our culture is permeated with this. I'm somebody. I'm good. I can do whatever I want because I am somebody. And we're drowning in this. And at the same time, we've got more young people committing suicide. We have a drug epidemic that between prescription drugs, illegal drugs, anxiety, and fear is permeating all ages and all this internet access. Young people, let's say when I was 13, I didn't know what was going on in the world. Didn't need to. But that little phone, computer, I could know what's going on in Russia, what's going on in North Korea, I know world events plus what's going on in my home. It's enough to crush, and they are dying. They are dying. And besides that dying, the sexual disease epidemic, you wouldn't even think we are a civilized country. I've been in countries where they said we can't keep enough penicillin to curb syphilis in this culture. And our country is in bad way. And yet we keep saying, you're somebody. No, why don't you say, you're totally inadequate to meet the needs of life. You need a Savior. You need the Holy Spirit. You need divine guidance. And we keep saying, you can make it. You can make it. You can make it. No, you can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. We aren't making it. Thirdly, the contemporary church inadequacy. I'm reminded of Luke 18, where two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a publican, a known sinner. Bad person. The Pharisee begins to quote all of his tithing record, all of his good works. The publican is so ashamed of what he is that he bows his head, and all he could say is, have mercy on me. Jesus said, which one went home justified? Which one went home right with God? The Pharisee going down his religious duty list or the man that said, I'm too bad a sinner to ever look up in God's face. I need mercy. And we have to say with the contemporary church, if a boy, a girl, or man or woman are in deep sin, deep trouble, would they ever think they could be welcome here? We have many people. It comes back to me this way. I don't want to go back to church. They'll jump onto me. We don't even know what you're doing. But you do. 
And you say, oh, if I go down there, they're going to jump on me. Alistair's illustration is, to outsiders, the church looks like a bunch of white porcelain jars. And they know they're a dirty crackpot. And they don't know where in the world they could ever fit. It's why I love Holy Ghost Hall. It's why I didn't want a building program. I wanted a rented warehouse. Because I don't like looking churchy. To the extent that we got it all together. That is the biggest joke in the world. You know why? I know the pastor. I would think I could at least get an amen on that. I know me. So we don't have it all together. We're weak people that God has saved. And we've got to offer that hope to them, the world, to the lost. I want to wind up here. Our personal attitudes. I hope you will own your inadequacy and let it drive you to God. And if you're infected with the pride that you think you can do it apart from God, there have always been men so clever that God could make no use of them. They could never do his work because they were so impressed with their own work. And uh, a great musical critic, Michael Sargent, heard a soloist sing a flawless solo. And everybody was in awe of her performance. And when they were going home, somebody said, What did you think of our soloist tonight? And he was a songwriter, famous musician. He said she was flawless musically, but it will take a broken heart for her to connect with people. I took my father to hear an upcoming preacher in my day, young. We took him to hear this preacher. When we're coming home, I asked, I said, Dad, what did you think of the preacher? He said, he did okay. And then a little silence. He said, he won't be worth much until he suffered at least some. And I think we need to know that we're all set up to be self-righteous Pharisees, either in our heart or in our perception to a fallen world that is desperately in need. The last thing we need is to shout, we got it all together. We're the adequate people. God kind of saved us because we didn't really need a deep work anyway because we were kind of nice to begin with. Now, why don't we just come clean and say, I am the chief of sinners. I'm saved by grace. And I'm not here to advertise perfection. I'm here to advertise the power and the grace of God that can save. That's our message. That's our message. And I need mercy and grace because I went over 10 minutes. So I'll just ask you, please, may the worst thing about you drive you to the best thing about him. He's gracious and merciful. And he's able. What he started in you, he's plenty capable of completing. But hear me, hear me now. If valley grows to 10,000 or if we shrink to 10 my sufficiency is in him alone and this is truth for today with pastor phil howard our time today spending god's word to encourage you to bring you truth for today 
If you have questions or comments about our time together, we would invite you to write to us. You can either visit our website and drop us an email, write to us via U.S. mail, or give us a call. As we close things out, I do want to turn things over to our executive producer just for a moment. Here's Chuck Ladabadir. Hello, Truth For Today listeners. My name is Chuck Ladabadir, and I've been the executive producer of Truth For Today since we've been on there in 1996. There are a couple of needs I'd like to make you aware of. The first one is a prayer need. Our dear Pastor Phil had throat surgery recently, and the healing process has not gone as smoothly or as quickly as we had hoped. And so we're asking you to remember, Pastor Phil, in your prayers, that God would bring healing to his voice, that he might continue to proclaim the gospel using the tools that God gave him, his voice. The second need is a financial need. Because we haven't been able to do our fundraiser, there is a financial need. And we continue to proclaim the gospel and we, because we believe that God's using it to build up the body of Christ to encourage the saints and to challenge those who don't know him and to offer hope to those who are in need of hope. We want to continue doing that because we believe that God's word will never return void. That's what he said. So we're asking you to partner with us at this time. After you've met your financial obligation at your local church, consider making a special gift to Truth For Today this year that we might continue to proclaim the truth for today. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck. Year-end donations are always welcome. One-time gifts, monthly gifts, large, small, it all makes a difference. Reach out to us. Your tax-deductible donation can be sent to 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. You can also donate online, valleybible.org, or call 855-833-833. 9864 855-833-9864. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your truth for today. Today.